0: Surreal dreams, the secret to a beautiful mind. The hippocampus is a part of the brain that plays a dominant role in memories, imagination, and the process of dreaming. Have you ever wondered why we dream? Do you remember your dreams? What is termed a vivid dream reflects the ability of human minds to replicate reality in an entirely imaginary state, and that is all regarded as an essential part of brain physiology, clearing out clutter, consolidating memories, and maintaining healthy brain circuitry. Paradoxically, the diseased brain can also hallucinate, which is another type of vivid experience, albeit an unhealthy one, that suggests something in the brain circuitry has gone wrong. Hallucinations are distinct from imaginations the key to deciphering these differences may give us new insight into mental disorders, especially those that we are concerned with on this podcast, such as body dysmorphophobia and eating disorders. I'm not a psychiatrist nor a psychologist, but I am a dermatologist who has worked with psychiatrists managing patients with body dysmorphophobia, and also what we term psychodermatological conditions, such as acne, scoria, delusional parasitosis, essentially skin conditions driven by neurosis, whereby sufferers dig and pick at their skin until an actual physical skin condition emerges. Notably, these patients are well in terms of other aspects of their mental health, meaning they do not have other symptoms that suggest they have a psychotic disorder, and usually without coexisting depression or anxiety either. In delusional parasitosis, for example, sufferers specifically hallucinate about insects hiding in or crawling on skin. They stereotypically collect insect parts, which they deem as evidence of the infestation, to present to their dermatologist. Except these aren't ever insect parts, they are simply bits of dead skin, dust, or debris. To them, the crawling sensation and the infestation is more than real. It is surreal. In my early years of training as a dermatologist, I used to run a clinic together with a psychiatrist, seeing such patients exclusively. It was remarkable that all of these patients seemed truly normal, other than the fact that they were convinced of the infestation. They also mutilated their skin as a result. The reason why I was seeing them the mutilation methods were also surprisingly typical. Harsh disinfectants, kerosene, burning with drawsticks, sticks, digging with knives and sharp objects. Shocking? Yes. But with each new patient I saw over the course of several days, which turned into several months and years, it became normal and typical to me. The initial sense of shock wonder and curiosity I had as a dermatologist, used to seeing patients who had true skin pathology and were helpless victims of itch or pain, was finally replaced by a sense of futility, very much like what I suppose the psychiatrist had felt, since he was much more used to seeing patients who had true mental disorders. Except one thing really stood out to me, These patients were diagnosed with delusional parasitosis, or DOP for short, um, based on one criteria that distinguished it from other mental disorders out of the scope of a dermatologist. They were monosymptomatic. That means beyond this specific hallucination, they did not exhibit criteria of other psychiatric disorders of schizophrenia, psychosis, or other mental health disorders. That being said, I always believed in science and medicine that there must be a true reason or at least a mechanism that we could explore. With all advances in our modern world and humanity's self-proclaimed great exploitations in science, it is quite a shame that we don't have a good answer for what exactly is happening in DOP. At the end of the day, doctors usually attribute to genetics what they can't explain. Except I have not seen many DOP patients with a family history, nor to my knowledge has been reported. This is different from a condition known as foliadu, referring to a collective state of delusions experienced by individuals living closely together, and usually isolated from others. Anyway... I hope that at least caught your interest. Back to the subject for today. So we are rightly fascinated with how the brain can directly influence the skin. In this case, via true sensory manifestations by way of actual physical sensations felt on skin. One useful thing I have learned over the years as a practicing doctor is the skill of empathy. I don't think it is popular to talk about empathy as a skill. People like to think of it as a virtue or a quality. I'd like to be honest and share that most physicians do experience empathy burnout once they start working. The pressures are too great and the healthcare environment has never been a leisurely walk for junior practitioners. It is nice to think of empathy as a trait, a mark of good character. However, in medicine, it is a necessity. I don't wish to patronize, but one lacking in empathy naturally can learn to become more empathetic in various stressful situations by envisioning how it would be like in the other person's shoes. So when our emotions of burnout overcome us, we can still use a formula or a method to start guiding our mind, conjuring up scenarios that can help evoke the right emotional responses. So for my experience with DOP, I did find myself imagining how they must have felt. Their obsessions and mental disturbances I could sort of understand how they were so distressed that they had no choice but to attempt to excoriate their skin to rid themselves of the infestation. I think patients do feel genuine empathy coming from their physician, and I think that the one way physicians can consistently portray that is not by pretending or play acting with body language and all that, but actually to try to imagine to feel how their patient must feel. The same with what I have been emphasizing in my podcast about beauty. If your mind directs your emotions, which we learn that it directly affects your facial expressions and consequently, how others must perceive you, if you want to be beautiful, start with the mind. So today's episode is but a teaser for what's to come. My research focus now is on how dreams are constructed by the brain in the fragmented haphazard way that can entertain and fascinate us while we sleep and also when we wake. The role of memories in dreaming, remote and semantic especially. How specific experiences during wakefulness contribute to our mind's conjuring of dreams. If we become better dreamers, will we be able to harness the realm of imagination to transform ourselves literally inside out? If good imaginations can replace bad hallucinations, we may have discovered one way to help those struggling with body image issues. Understanding the pathways involved can also open up new revelations about how the mind attributes beauty to memories. These memories we all happen to associate with the ideal. The most beautiful person we know, for example, is imagined in our mind based on a memory the ideal that we strive to be and are not, or we think are not. I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast and I'd like to take the opportunity to share about a brand new podcast show that I've decided to create for you all on the very topic of dreams and beauty entitled Sleeping Beauty, Dream for Beauty Sleep, a guided meditative experience of bedtime storytelling, evoking my own memories of the most surreal dreams I have ever had and taking you through the fantastical world of beauty in my imagination.